Hey, Seven Mile Road, hope you're doing well. Hope your heart is alive to God today. Seriously, whatever you have going on in this moment, believe the gospel right there. Go for it. Trust God that he's good, that he's beautiful, that he's true, that he's light, that he's for you, that obedience is worth it, that he has good intentions for the next 20 minutes, 24 hours, two weeks, two years of your life. Lean in and believe that with me. We're working together to do that all the time. Uh, We just wanted to jump on the podcast equipment for a minute and give some answers to some big why questions that have been bouncing around over the last couple of months as our church has given herself to some things together. And so I'm just going to take some time to answer those here for everybody so that you can get a beat on and a feel for them. Uh, We love when you are engaged in the life and mission of our church. We love when you are seeking to understand the motivations behind the things that we're doing. Uh, You can ask questions like that, like a jerk with an attitude and be a constant complainer. We are not looking for that from anybody that is not holy. But we can also ask questions to say, hey, help me understand because I want to be all in on the why that I might participate fully in the doing of mission through Seven Mile Road. So there are always dozens, hundreds of questions to say, oh, I'd I'd love to know where that comes from. And hopefully the big answer is always because God is worthy of glory and God has revealed his will clearly in Scripture. And we love him and we love his word and we're trying to align ourselves behind the clear teaching of Scripture. But also don't forget every season, every context, every specific church makes calls on what they're going to be about in a season. And they try to do that holding the clear teaching of Scripture firmly in hand but also listening to and being guided by the Spirit as they do it. And you know that here we're always trying to include everybody in the conversation as is appropriate, and our church is built so that qualified men might lead us and take responsibility for the overall direction of the church. But every man, woman, son, and daughter is fully invested in all that we're doing and throwing themselves into this. We are a body. We have one head. He is Christ. The rest of us are parts of that body, putting our energies toward the advance of the gospel in our souls and in our church. So why questions are good ones. And when we are aligned behind the whys, we find ourselves walking in the uncommon unity that we're always asking God to give to us. All right, so I'm going to work through these questions. Uh, One is why did we write a book? Why we give an effort to that? The second one, why did we give the effort to hosting that big conference a couple of weeks ago? The third one is, why do we travel over the summertime on some Sundays and not do church at all in Melrose? And the last one is, why do we set an expectation that uh, the members in the life of our church will tithe to the work of God among us? All right, so I'm just going to riff on these. I hope that you find this helpful and uh, would love to continue to talk with you about the stuff that we're giving ourselves to. All right, so first let's talk about this book. Um, So we have written a book. It's called What Church Can Be. What Church Can Be. And you helped us to work through landing on that title, so I hope you like it. And the subtitle is going to be something like An Optimistic Vision 
for building strong churches in post-Christian contexts. Uh, so there's a few principles that we're committed to that sit behind the why of putting the effort into this. So one is that we want to give away what we have been given. We want to be open-handed with all the gifts, all the lessons, all the work, all the blessings that God has given to us. We want to open our hands and give it away to others. And so content creation over the last couple of years has become a big desire of ours and something that we've been putting more and more time into. I don't know why, but in his grace, in his love for you and for me, Christ has done a beautiful work in the life of our church, and we want to give him glory and bless others by telling that story and sharing what he has done. That's the biggest why beneath every blog that we write, every book that we write or will write, every podcast that we do, that we have received and we want to give. Another big why behind this is that we are becoming a family of churches. This is messy. This is, this is uh, it's windy to get toward that end. But since 2012, we've committed ourselves to seeing the original Seven Mile Road become a family of churches. And we've realized that to do that, it's going to mean that we need to codify, document, write down, or say out loud for folks Here's our story. Here's our essentials. Here's our distinctives. Here's why we are who we are. And so writing this book is one way of capturing four folks who will be a part of Seven Mile Road Churches in the next 5, 10, 20 years. I don't know how long this thing will roll, that they might have a resource that they can go to and say, so here's, here's some founding documents they capture the grace of God and the convictions of our family of churches. And so putting the effort to getting a bunch of that, not all of it, but a bunch of it under one cover was behind this idea. And so if you were with us a couple years ago on Melrose, we preached right through each of the chapters that would eventually make up this book. And all of it is rooted in the clear exposition of Scripture from Acts 20. And all of it is us telling our story, walking through what we're convicted a church should be, can be, and inviting people in our family of churches and the world into some of that. And so for the glory of God and for the benefit of our family of churches, we have put the effort into that. Does it scare us a little bit? Yes. Uh, it's terrifying to be doing this work of connecting with the publisher, seeking endorsements. Uh, we will not peddle God's word ever in the life of this church. If you've been here, you know that we have never charged a single dollar ever for anything that we have written or spoken or published. We're committed to that. Book publishing is a different kind of a world. There's so many costs that go into editing and publishing and going to market with a book itself. So we're working through how will those realities work with a commitment to holiness in all things. Uh, we're also scared of personality stuff. So Seven Mile Road is not Matthew Cruz. That's a joke to think that that's true. Everything that we've done in building our churches has been to explode the pyramid scheme that churches fall into. 
But to promote a book or to land with a publisher, they want to know, hey, who's the author? And what is his track record and resume? And does he have endorsements for other people? And there are minefields in that whole place. But another commitment of ours, a principle, is that we're not going to play scared. Jesus had no good words for the servant who took his talent and buried that thing in the ground and didn't take any risks and didn't hustle. And so content creation book publishing for us is about saying we're not going to play scared. If we've been given talents, we're going to do the best that we can to make the most of those talents for the glory of God. So hopefully that answers some of the driving motivation between writing and telling our story and doing it formally, uh, either through a real publisher or self-publishing ourselves, that those things may be true. Um, All right, number two, why host a big conference? All right, so a couple of weekends ago, we had this fantastical time at our church. We had uh, around 180 or so men and women, pastors and members of churches come be a part of a full um, day of training around what does it look like for your church to value and gospel and mobilize the women that Jesus has given to the life of your church. And that was a bunch of work. We had uh, 15 or 20 Seven Mile Road people give up not just a day, but a bunch of time before that to get this thing to happen. We had our ministries coordinator investing a bunch of time in the last in the month running up to it to make sure that things went awesome. Um, Patty and I both spoke on that day and put a lot of time into preparing to serve well through speaking to the people who were there. And just in general, this was a big output in the life of our church. So why would we do something like that? All right, the first principle applies. We're going to give away what we have been given. In love for us, over the last four or five years, Christ has done an amazing work in moving our hearts to value, love, and gospel the women in our church and to equip them to believe the gospel and embrace their femininity and partner fully in the advance of the gospel through our church. And there is this conversation going on nationally about how do churches that are committed to orthodox theology and biblical sexuality function together as family, missional family, brothers and sisters, while maintaining orthodoxy? How do we also be mobilized for partnership and for mission? How do we do that? There's so many sharp edges and uncertainties and failures and false starts that have happened in the church in trying to do this well. Well, somebody's got to speak into that place, and so with the grace that we were given— we have felt like we would love to be one voice that is speaking into that place. That's a part of why we kicked off our Kalos Conversations podcast, and it's a part of why we wanted to give the effort to making this training available to churches who want to learn how to do this well. Another reason that we did this conference um, is that we are not just a part of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network, which is going gangbusters, is a diverse and global family of church-planting churches that we have been in since almost its conception, way back, way, way back machine. But we are also the area leaders. 
So we're responsible for the 15 to 20 churches that are in the New England area to have a good experience and to be served well through their participation in that network. Once a year, that means that we are required to do some kind of a training. And so about nine months ago, we sat with the pastors and said, hey, what are the topics that you would love for us to hit on in those trainings? And one of them was, we would love to know how to value, love, gospel, and mobilize our women better. We want to do that better. It would be great to be trained on that. And a second request was, hey, would you be willing to do this not on a weekday, just when the pastors can get there, but would you be willing to do this on a Saturday so that we can bring the members of our church with us? And so in response to those two requests, we built a training that would happen on a Saturday and would be on this idea of seeing women become full partners for gospel advance in the life of our churches. And so it was done not just with a general conviction in mind, but specifically to serve the churches that Jesus has called us to serve well in New England with this training. And so this is why we did it, and this is why we were so thrilled about the response. A huge percentage of that 180 who were there were from churches who are just like us, committed to making disciples of New Englanders. And we were glad to throw our efforts into that. All right, number three, why? Why do we travel on Sundays in the summer? All right, so if you haven't been with us, there'll be a couple of Sundays this summer where there is no formal worship gathering service in the Melrose space. And instead, we tell you, hey, if you are in town, and if you are not at the Cape or up in New Hampshire, and you are going to gather to worship the Lord on his day with us, we're going to do that. We're just not going to be doing that in the building at 84 Green Street. We are going to go join with one of these churches that has been planted through the life of our church. So I think uh, Heather will get out the details, but I think it's in July. We're going to be heading to Malden to be with our church plants that gathers at Malden High School. And in Wakefield, sorry, in August, we're going to be heading up to Wakefield to worship with Restoration Road Church that we planted there back in 2012. All right, so the whys behind this hopefully are clear and compelling. Um, So there's a bunch of them. One is, we love these church plants. We love these teams and, and folks that have gone out from us or been added to the life of these churches that are on mission in those cities among those people. And the the clearest way that we can show them we love you is not just by responding to needs that they have and seeking the Lord in prayer for their good and being willing to share any resources that we have that would be helpful to them, but they have told us that the deepest, clearest, best way to show that we're committed to them and we're for them and we're amped about what the Spirit is doing is to come and be with them on their turf, in their space, to see who they've been connecting with, to see how they roll and do their thing, to visit them. So we all get this just in normal life, right? When your cousins or your grandmother or your friend from college comes to visit you and comes sits at your table and takes in your home and your life and your family, it, 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 there's a connection there that you just know 
man, they, they're so committed to me that they came all the way here to be with me. That's the kind of warmth and love that we're trying to communicate by making the effort to coordinate and drive and find parking and have some of those tiny discomforts of getting somewhere else for church so that we might bring comfort and encouragement to these churches. Uh, we're also going because, why? We need the encouragement. It will fill your soul with joy to see, oh man, I don't want this to be out of sight, out of mind. These churches are loving people, preaching the gospel, confessing sin, giving their money, loving their neighbors, on mission with Jesus, and beautiful spirit work is being done. You're going to see faces you have never seen before. Maybe hear some stories you have not heard before. Maybe reunite with some others who weren't doing so great last time you were with them and are thriving now. There's 50 ways I can think that your soul will be blessed by making the effort to get to these services in these other churches and these other cities. It's not just that they need it. It's that we need it also. And then, of course, you know that we pull off miracles in this little church of ours with the quality of the music and the operations of our Sundays and the number of kids that we watch. And so over the summer, it's a great gift to all of our volunteers and workers to say, hey, there's a few Sundays where you've just got off completely. Nobody has to watch kids at Melrose. We don't have to worry about who's in the band or running lyrics or setting the place up. It's the summer. You get a break and a breather from that. Our daughter churches are going to serve us in this way, and we just get to go breathe in the gospel with them. So for all of those reasons, we've loved having this rhythm be in place. If you are out of town, don't worry about it. Do your thing as you vacation and rest over the summer. But if you are in town on these Sundays, we would love for you to um, hustle and get to these services off-site for those reasons. All right, last one. Why set an expectation for our members to tithe? All right, so if you don't know it, here's how money works at Seven Mile Road. We are a young church, and that means that we have no endowment. We don't have multiple generations of faithful Christians um, who have left hundreds and thousands or millions of dollars to the work of our church. Uh, We have no rental income. Uh, There's a bunch of churches right in our area who I've seen their books. They have $60,000, $120,000 a year of rental income supporting the work of their church. We have none. Part of that is because the Linfels Parkway did not exist when they built this church building. And there used to be a parking lot here. It was called the Green, the Village Green and you would come up with your horse or your buggy and then come into church. Well, when they needed more roads to get from the North Shore into the city, they took over that village green and made it the Lynn Fells Parkway, and so this church was left with zero parking spots. So even though we've got a great space, there's not really any rental income from the building, and uh, no big benefactor in the background. So yes, we have folks here who give so generously, and I, I cannot wait to see what their treasure in heaven is like to making the mission of the work of the church go. But we don't have somebody who's dropping a half a million dollar check a year as a baseline to cover all of our ministry expenses. 
Uh, none of those things exist with us, with us, and we go, no problem. That's totally fine, because here's what we do have. We have a community of people who love the gospel and, and love the God of the gospel and who value the mission of their local church and who flat out trust God with their money. And so as a general rule, seven milers are committed to living on 90% or less of what we make, or to say that more accurately, what God in his grace and his mercy enables us to make so that we can give 10% or more to the mission of God. All right, why do we do that? Well, it's not because we have a conviction that there is an explicit command to be obeyed around a percentage of giving in the new covenant. This is a fascinating conversation. If you Google it, you can read great biblical theological arguments on both sides of the question of, is the tithe something that holds for uh, Christians in the gospel age in the new covenant? And it's always good to read and think through the biblical basis for where people land on that. Uh, For us, we just say, hey, this is the ballpark in which the people of God have always given, and it would be unthinkable for us to give less than that. Uh, One of our big struggles in, in planning the church here and making disciples of folks who are brand new to the gospel and the gospel life is around money. And we have people in the life of our church who make 80 or 100 or 120 or 150 or more thousands of dollars a year, um, but don't give or give 20 bucks a week, 30 bucks a week, um, which would total out to a percent or maybe two or less of their total income that they are giving to God. Um, That confuses us. It troubles us. It concerns us. And here's why. Because when your heart has come alive to God, I mean, when he wins you to himself and he rescues you from your sin and the wrath that is coming from your sin, for your sin, and from the ridiculousness of a life that is rooted in this world and not in the eternal glories of who God is, and when he does all of that good gospel stuff in your, work, stuff in your life, you realize that you now belong to him. I mean, there's so much beautiful biblical theology on this um, adoption. We, we have now become the sons and the daughters of God who have this inheritance coming that is imperishable, unimaginable, and waiting for us. We, we are his, um, his body. He is our head. We belong to him now. We, we are his all the way down. And that means our bodies, our minds, our talents, our stuff, our money, it it is all his now. And so we we would never approach our money thinking it's all mine, and now I get to decide what to do with it. But we come thinking it's all his, and how does he call me to live with it? And one way that he calls us to live with it is to give some of it to the advance of his gospel in this world, primarily through the local church. And so giving in this way primarily begins not with law, but with gospel, that our hearts have come alive to who God is, and we cannot wait to show that he is our treasure, not our money. And there's no clearer way to do that 
than to give a bunch of money to him. That's how we show it. Another reason that we give is because we have become alive to the church. Jesus loves his church. He bled for her. He died for her. He bought her. She is his. He identifies with her. And when we come to see that this church matters to the heart of God, we want to see her super well-funded so that her work can thrive. Sermons get preached and songs get sung and goldfish gets purchased and a staff gets paid and lights go on and gospel communities get organized and books get purchased and all of the ministry that is done through our church happens because you give, because you make it happen. Seven Mile Road works because you give generously and you give because you love what Christ loves, his church. And so I I just think of when I give to the life of the church, it is making all this stuff go. What a joy to be able to participate in this thing happenings. I want to own this. And so I give generously so that it may happen. And then lastly, because our hearts come alive to the mission of God. Uh, We believe that Jesus is winning people to himself in our church, in our city, in our commonwealth, in our country, and across this world. And that happens because money fuels mission. And so we are so amped up about God saving sinners, being good to sinners, giving them new life in Christ, that we want our money to go to see that happen. And so these are the reasons that we give. It is never out of guilt. It is never out of shame. It is never just out of duty. It is out of an overflow of affection for God. He has given us all things. How can I not give generously to him? And so that's why we talk about being a people who tithe or being a people who give in a way that would surprise a Bostonian super generously to the work of God. Now, how much you give exactly is something to be worked out in the nitty-gritty of community, in conversation with people that you trust, or with our pastors. would love to sit and walk with you through this. There's a whole bunch of specific X's and O's around your giving, right? So do I give before the government raids my paycheck or after? And what about specific circumstances? Or what about if if I'm divorced and I'm just trying to make things work? Or what about other missional efforts and people who are missionaries outside of Seven Mile Road? And how does all this apply? And we say, let's work on it. Let's talk about it. But let's not seek to minimize the amount of money that we give. Let's not think in worldly terms of, oh, I could never give 10% of what I make to God. What are you, crazy? I need that money. Let's think in gospel terms of, it's all his. I get to honor him and be a part of the advance of his gospel by giving. He ultimately is my provider, not my boss, not my job, not my business. How could I ever not first, first give generously to God, to the work of the church, to the mission that he is up to in the world? You will not find a single person in the life of this church who is committed to giving this way, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars a year, who do not know in their heart that God is with them in providing for them. 
We look at our hands and we say, please tell me there's no super glue on these hands. Let me be super generous. If everybody at Seven Mile Road committed to giving in this way, we would be shocked at the amount of money that would be available to drive the mission of God. So when you hear us talk this way, do not think about law or duty or guilt or pressure or sales pitches. Think about gospel. Think about sonship and daughtership. Think about the invitation of God to give generously so that his gospel might advance in our souls and in the life of our church. All right, so thanks for listening to this. That's four big whys. Hopefully they help you anchor down and give yourself to this. Um, As questions come in and we're talking with them about you, as the family of God, we'll continue to uh, throw these podcasts up so that you can get more aligned with us. And uh, I just pray that this week is awesome for you, that you're thriving in all that you called to do, and know that we love you and are for you and cannot wait to see the glory of God shown off in what he's doing in your life.